Warwick will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Gillard. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kalorik. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kalorik out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. That music is destructive. That music if we had good music playing for people in the happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music uh, I have a new record coming out. I was just like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Big day for Detroit sports. The Tigers are playing as we speak, and... Boy, the Detroit Lions are on Monday Night Football for the first time in a, over a decade. I, I think it's uh, about 10 years, maybe uh, going on 12 years. And uh, the last time they were on Monday Night Football, they were stinking up the field so bad. They were, were still at the Silverdome, and the uh, folks in the stands were chanting, Let's go, Red Wings, because there was nothing to cheer about in the football world. Yep, and hopefully Hank Williams Jr., He's uh, going to be absent from Monday Night Football. Henceforth, we'll give him a brain damage award. Unbelievably stupid comments. Um, yeah, to, I couldn't figure out which one was Netanyahu and which one was Hitler. But well, I mean, just why would you make any ignorant that foolish? I mean, it shows that he believes the uh, the rubbish that the Tea Party has been. Yep. Uh, circulating for these many years and uh interesting to hear uh eric Cantor describe the occupy wall street as a mob <laughs> and uh, needless to say i uh knew that i'd seen that word recently by one of the right wing haters gotta watch out for those haters of course it turns out to be ann coulter the former u of m grad <laughs> is she really uh, the harpy of intolerance. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, uh, what can you say? She's an intellectual featherweight. Uh, I'm not sure that the people who read her books really read her books. I think people buy those books and smugly tell themselves that, well, I don't really need to read this because I agree with everything she's going to say anyway. So there. Well, yeah, and it's just... Like a Glenn Beck book. It's, uh, you know, it's really what's there. Propaganda, and it's... It, she's got a new book basically calling all the, the liberals mobs. They're part of the mob. She's got all sorts of strange uh, references to the uh, American Revolution, Hitler, all sorts of things. I actually had an article I thought that I'd saved about her. I'm trying to find it. Find it in a second here. But... Uh, yeah, just amazing uh, stupidity on her part, and and that's Eric Cantor and the what I call the echo machine continuing uh, mm. the, the 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 talking points that uh, I think uh, pollute our political debate going forward. Uh, the Wall Street folks, of course, the Occupy Wall Street folks, uh, strike me as uh, no different than the Tea Party in terms of so-called grassroots, and nothing wrong with what they're doing in terms of the message. The message is factually correct well i, I heard some... do think it is important just to make one minor criticism of the focus on wall street to remember that the tarp bailout was not a wall street bailout per se it was actually saving america's banking system and there needs to always it's important to remember in, in keeping facts straight that uh, there is a difference between an investment bank and an fdic bank mm. uh Consumers, by the way, uh, in response, for instance, Bank of America just recently announced that they're going to uh, charge uh, folks $5 a month, a month, for uh, using the debit card. And, of course, needless to say, the Wall Street Journal promptly came out and uh, denounced the Dick Durbin bill for this turn of events that they need to recoup these fees, this lost income. And uh, they're doing all sorts of other mischievous things, like raising uh, minimum balances to hold checking accounts, et cetera, et cetera. They're basically stealing money. And the TARP bailout was orchestrated, of course, by the Bush administration, not the Obama administration. People get confused about that. And it really was a banking bailout. It was the Troubled Asset Relief Program, and it later yeah. was extended to General Motors and Chrysler, for instance. It was not a Wall Street bailout per se. There were some Wall Street firms that were affected, but there were also banks based in other cities around the country. And we as consumers have other financial options in terms of banking. We need not bank uh, at Citigroup or Chase or whoever, one of the big banks that received TARP money. Your local credit union is usually uh, offers much more favorable rates. And in the chronology of the bailout, it's important to remember that the big problem uh, turned out actually to be AIG. That was mm. what created the hemorrhaging. This is part of the credit default swaps uh, gambling casino that they were involved in. This led and forced uh, Paulson at the second banking uh, summit uh, that Bernanke and uh, uh, Tim Geithner were in, uh, in attendance at. Geithner was there, by the way, because he was the chairman of the New York Federal Reserve. Uh, and, of course, many of the firms are, in fact, based in New York City. Bank of America is not. Neither is Wells Fargo, neither is PNC, nor is General Motors or Chrysler. So it's important to remember that the 
TARP program was not a Wall Street bailout. It was a saving the banking system. And Paulson insisted that all the banks take money because he wanted to uh, cloud the, the, uh, the market up in terms of allowing the public and then the, quote, investor class to not know which banks really were in serious vulnerability and, mm. and, and versus ones that were not. It's actually factually uh, part of the story that the chairman of Wells Fargo, uh, based in the West, San Francisco, I think, uh, specifically did not want TARP money. But uh, Paulson said, you're taking it <laughs> because we have to keep the market uh, in the dark about which banks are really vulnerable and which aren't. Two of the Wall Street banks, by the way, were purchased by other banks. Uh, J.P. Morgan bought... Bear Stearns in March of 2008. Bank of America bought Merrill Lynch uh, in the initial banking crisis, the September 12th, 15th weekend, that led to the eventual creation of the TARP legislation. The House of Representatives did not pass the TARP legislation. Uh, the stock market promptly went down about 10%. Bernanke went back to Congress, the congressional leaders at the time, and said, uh, if you don't pass this TARP legislation, we are not going to have an economy on Monday. Mm. Um, people may say, well, that's uh, over-exaggerating the situation, but I don't think so. Uh, we would have had a situation in America that we saw in Korea, for instance, South Korea, a couple weeks ago, where a uh, chairman of a bank jumped out of a window. They've had a banking uh, run in, in some of the Korean banks because they have a construction bubble that leads some of the assets to be suspect. And the financial mess that America's in is very complex. Certainly, Wall Street deserves blame for uh, creating uh, financial products that no one could understand and were not properly backed with uh, sufficient capital in the event of default. So. And, of course, let's not forget that deregulation has a big uh, part. Uh, been a big part of this. And, of course... Regulation is there to protect the consumer, the taxpayer, the citizen. And so the Republican agenda to allow uh, corporations to scrutinize themselves is, of course, a recipe for disaster. It's inviting the fox into the hen house. And uh, so <clears throat> this has been uh, a part of the uh, structural element of the problem. One of the criticisms that the Occupy Wall Street protesters have been getting from the right-wingers in the media is that there is no cohesive spokesperson. There is no sort of unifying agenda that there's all this shouting and chanting in the streets. And I'm not quite sure that this is fair because, after all, the organized so-called Tea Party agenda is also often at odds with itself, and certainly the right-wingers are not going to offer any criticism of that. But based on just some of the protests that I've heard chanted over uh, the you know, radio broadcasts that are covering this event, and you can get some good coverage of it on Free Speech Radio News here at 5.30 weekdays on WCBN, uh, seemed pretty sound uh, policy suggestions to me. Yeah. Uh, one was end the war, tax the rich, end the war, sure. tax the rich. Well, those are two perfectly logical starting points. Of course, ideologically, uh, the Republicans and the Tea Party are blind to these things. And uh, to quote the philosopher that they 
uh, purport to adhere to. Uh, Christ once said, take the plank out of your own eye before you condemn the man with the moat in his eye. And get the money changers out of the house of worship. Get the money changers (laughs) out of the temple. So uh, how seriously do you take your own uh, agenda? And how much of it is just simply uh, window dressing at the end of the day? And I suspect that most of the Tea Party members don't really understand the financial crisis. Most Americans don't understand the financial crisis. I include myself among them. I find it baffling, perplexing. Aspects and elements of it I can grasp. But the machinations of this multi-tentacled beast are are baffling and frightening. And so it's easy to see why there's a lot of uncertainty. But it's always intriguing to note that when there are protests clamoring for a democracy and, uh, you know, fair treatment of people by the government in other countries, we cheer that on. Sure. You know, oh, the, the young people who took to the streets in Tunisia and Egypt were, were not mobs. They were democracy advocates. And, of course, they, they pat, quote-unquote, social media on the back in the process, yep. claiming that this is something we invented. Uh, of course, Steve Jobs passed not part of social media per se, but certainly one of the most important uh, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs uh, of, in American history. Indeed. Uh, interesting, by the way, in, in, in all the reviews of his passing, uh, I thought what was most impressive about Steve Jobs, uh, you know, there was some obvious uh, dark sides to Steve Jobs, but uh, I, I think that it was his overall philosophy that was, at the end of the day, most appealing. Uh, clearly, the uh, impressive designs that he came up with and how he changed uh, technology for uh, on behalf of consumers is very impressive indeed. Though one product I've never be, was uh, will ever be a fan of is the iPod. Yeah, I prefer, by the way, when I'm walking to listen to birds, the wind. <laughs> The leaves rustling. The sounds of the actual physical world in which we live. And I like thinking. I don't need music constantly uh, in my ears to occupy my gray matter. (laughs) Yeah. I prefer uh, silence sometimes and uh, quiet reflection. Uh, I think there was something about Steve Jobs, and I'm sure there will be books written about him in the future regarding his uh, personal philosophy, because there was some secretive aspects of his uh, um, mind that uh, were very uh, impressive, but perhaps troubled as well. I also want to throw in a historical pitch for the University of Michigan. Apple may not have remained in business had the University of Michigan not remained loyal to Apple early on with the uh, computer products that they were making. This is before iPod, iPad, iPhone, etc., yeah, it was one of the few major institutions that fully embraced Apple technology. Yeah. And back in the early days, you know, current college students won't remember this at all. But when the University of Michigan got their first computer labs, yeah. now commonplace on not just colleges but high school campuses, uh, here at the U of M, they were all Apple computers. And they were eventually forced to use uh, Microsoft, IBM, et cetera, uh, because teenagers coming into the school mm-hmm. weren't unacquainted with Apple. But... U of M bought a sufficient number of Apple products early on to keep them in the game because uh, people forget how small of a market they had Mm -hmm. for many, many years. And they were in financial trouble at one point. Uh, One could buy Apple stock, incidentally, in the late 90s uh, 
for $15. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Where's my time machine? Where's my time machine, and how come I didn't know about these uh, products that Jobs was working on? But um, Well, there's also a clip uh, I'll recommend uh, of his, a commencement address yeah, that he made Stanford. Mm -hmm. uh, at Stanford uh, that you can watch on YouTube or any number of uh, online sources uh, that's quite interesting, and, and he has some very uh, thought-provoking uh, comments. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, much more compelling a... Uh, intellectual figure than bill gates um who to his credit has sort of stepped aside from the technology uh nerdiness and and is doing a commendable charitable work around the globe he's giving away a considerable amount of his money along with warren buffett for uh very worthy causes and at least uh, uh bill gates has a social conscience some of the more demonic aspects of apple computer regarding their profit margins and their utilization of uh, labor uh, in uh, Southeast Asia to make these products mm. at very low cost, which they sell at very high rates, um, is a little less appealing. But I use the word demonic uh, because I did find the Ann Coulter <laughs> book. It's entitled Demonic, How the Liberal Mob is Endangering America. So when... Eric Cantor used the word mob to describe the Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street folks. I thought to myself, hmm, Betty read Ann Coulter's most recent book recently. And of course, it's got all kinds of problems. Uh, if Ann Coulter can be so wrong about basic facts of American history and world history, uh, the rest of her uh, recommendations are suspect. Uh, in a recent review by Michael Tomaski, he uh, throws a couple of them out, showing uh, troubling aspects of Ann Coulter's revisionist history, including one of my favorites regarding Nixon. She writes that Nixon indeed had something called the Southern Strategy, but it had nothing to do with his uh, appealing to racial resentment. His idea was to force nice, patriotic, church-going Southerners to recognize what a rotten, treasonous bunch the Democrats had become. It was a regional version of his appeal to the silent majority. No. <laughs> the Southern strategy was Nixon's actual political strategy that's documented in all sorts of books, memoirs, and the Watergate tapes. Well, and by rottenness, rotten, treasonous bunch, I mean, many of these Democrats fully supported the Vietnam War. Yeah. And, you know, took, uh, you know, uh, fundraising monies uh, for campaign purposes from major corporations. Uh, certainly are not what you could call hardcore left-wingers. No. So that's just a sort of a, a, a demagogic... Uh, broad painting of people with a with a filthy brush. I mean, rotten and treasonous. And the other thing about it is is it specifically applied to Nixon's re-election campaign, not his initial campaign. And his re-election campaign in 72 had all sorts of mischievous things, as we well know. Indeed. Uh, including the fact that he uh, met with George Wallace's brother and told him point blank, if uh, you run as an independent again, um, there's going to be an IRS tax audit of your brother. <laughs> Better tell him. Uh, this is documented as a historical fact. Wallace, of course, um, 
ran as a Democrat, not as an American independent, because in 1968, George Wallace got about 13% of the vote and something like 48 electoral votes. These are facts that are in the books. Nixon wanted those electoral votes, and he didn't want Wallace. But Nixon only got 43% of the vote in uh, in. Um, 1968, and needless to say, Wallace was uh, suspiciously, there was an assassination attempt on Wallace in May of 1972, after he'd done um, surprisingly surprisingly well in some of the primaries. Uh, Of course, the suspect uh, turned out to be a busboy named Arthur Bremer that, as Gory Vidal noted, kept a diary. Of course. That E. Howard Hunt uh, seems to have had a role in uh, manufacturing at a certain point, um, yes, uh, the diary of Arthur Bremer, one of the great essays in American history by Gore Vidal. <laughs> and, you know, even the very title of Ann Coulter's book is just, it's just uh, hyperbole. Yeah, the liberal I mean, mob. The liberal mob endangering America. Well, okay, how about 40-plus years of Republican... Uh, deregulation. Yeah. That's certainly not endangered. Anyone has it? Well, well, and the, the Republicans have been running the country for the last 40 years for all intents and purposes. Uh, it's interesting to note, by the way, that uh, with the uh, final withdrawal of uh, Sarah Palin and uh, Chris Christie, um, one of them sounds like a porn star to me, but... <laughs> and uh, one of them is a future porn star. Uh, you know, I, I just don't quite uh, understand. You know, it's interesting to note that there's been a Bush or a Dole on the Republican ticket since 1972 when yeah. the Southern strategy was employed. The Southern strategy, of course, was a deliberate attempt uh, not by uh, Nixon to, as Coulter puts it, uh, force nice patriotic church-going Southerners to recognize what a rotten treasonous bunch the Democrats were. Nice patriotic versus rotten treasonous. Yeah. Um, It was actually a deliberate attempt to um, create the culture wars. He, of course, used the famous uh, comment that the Democrats had become the party of acid abortion. And amnesty. And amnesty. Uh, Needless to say, Roe versus Wade had not yet passed um, scrutiny. And uh, fascinating that most of the people that actually voted in favor of Roe v. Wade. It passed 7-2 to two for the historical record. Were Nixon appointees mm-hmm. and Republicans, almost all of them. One of the dissenters turned out to be Byron White, who was appointed by John F. Kennedy. Um, he was a Catholic. Now we have a Supreme Court that seems to be more Catholic than uh, Protestant. I think there's only one Protestant on the Supreme Court right now. Very yeah. strange indeed. Um it's almost like we're being discriminated against. But, uh, yeah, that, it's got all kinds of problems with it uh, in terms of the history. And, of course, her comments about Germany are even more outrageous, I think, uh, equally uh, nonsensical. She asserts uh, in this book, apparently, at one point, she says, although it's accepted wisdom that the Allies were too harsh on Germany after World War I leading to World War II, in fact, the truth is the opposite. We didn't crush German, Germany sufficiently the first time. Consequently, in 1919, a lot of Germans accepted the claim that they had not really been defeated, but had just been stabbed in the back by civilians. This, of course, is 
Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler, <laughs> Joseph Goebbels. The problem is, is that those works were not read in 1919. The Weimar Republic um, was a coalition of parties. Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany in 1933 uh, by Hindenburg mm -hmm. in a very close election. I, don't, I think the Nazis actually got about a third of the vote. They right. were, was split up five ways. And, in fact, the um, treaty conditions imposed on Germany were incredibly harsh. An, a little footnote, by the way. I read uh, in a little small item at one point this summer that Germany had finally paid all their World War I reparations off this year. Oh, wow. Germany, by the way, also lost territory. They lost... In Africa. The, yes, they lo and they lost parts of... The, Alsace and Lorraine was mm -hmm. turned to France. Uh, parts Swabiland. of Prussia were returned to Poland, Poland. and I believe there's the Sudetenland. There was a there was a a, a portion uh, of land that was given to Denmark. Uh, harsh reparations were in fact imposed on Germany that led to the hyperinflation and the uh, suffering uh, of the German people. This, by the way, these 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 policies were instituted by Lloyd George and Clemenceau in opposition to Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. Wilson was not in favor of the harsh uh, peace treaty. So uh, Ann Coulter, uh, as usual, has her facts all wrong. Well, one wonders if uh, France and England have yet repaid the U.S. the monies that they were loaned during World War One. Yeah. I don't know whether or not they have. Perhaps they have. But I somehow doubt it. And of course, the the word mob apparently is is used frequently in this book. Uh, she she at one point, and this is another beauty that uh, Tomaski uh, points out. She writes the liberal liberal fairy tale that Southern bigots simply switched parties from Democrat to Republican is exactly wrong. What happened is Democrats switched mobs. Democrats will champion any group of hooligans in order to attain power. <laughs> That is why the Democrats are able to transition so seamlessly from defending Bull Connor racists to defending Black Panthers, hippies, yippies, Weatherman feminists, Bush derangement syndrome liberals, MoveOn.org, and every other indignant and angry mob. Wow. Where did it begin with that? Um, Bull Connor has got nothing to do with the Democrats switching mobs. He was a mobster. <laughs> A racist segregationist that uh, was confronted by uh, the Justice Departments of Dwight Eisenhower and John F. Kennedy. He was a mob. He was part of a mob. Well, and, you know, there were Democrats like William Byrd, who in his youth. Oh, Robert Byrd. Robert Byrd. Yeah. Robert Byrd. Uh, as many men of his social standing in the South did, adhered to that racist ideology. But. Some of those people grew up, changed, rethought the situation, and uh, shed those trappings. Uh, let's talk to Trent Lott about secret hates. Yeah. And, of course, the liberal mob in, in and of itself is a complete uh, falsehood. The liberals are usually arguing with themselves much more vociferously than with the other side, as we've seen throughout the uh, Recent American history, yeah. it was Mo Udall who famously said, yeah, the Democrats are like a firing squad that stand around in a circle. And indeed, there are issues involving that. But uh, I, I'm not going to waste any of my life or time reading Ann Coulter. <laughs> I, I never have and never will. She's a complete moron. And But she and is part of the noise machine. Part of a, a kind of an odd mob in and of itself, the, the Fox mob. 
and uh, even she has trouble apparently occasionally not uh, being invited back for her controversial comments. Um, and yeah, you get the feeling that even those who might be inclined to agree with her find her to be an unpleasant person. But uh, let's leave it at that, I guess. So much for Ann Coulter. Yeah. <laughs> she belongs on the ash bin of historical revisionism. <laughs> and uh, needs to check out her facts a little more closely regarding or the she... presidency of Richard Nixon. Yeah, well, that's unlikely to happen. Or she should consider following uh, Glenn Beck's lead and write a Christmas book for children. Yeah. That will end up on remainder piles and bookstores everywhere. Stay out of the blackboard room, because when Glenn Beck is using his pointer to uh, claim that Great Britain is part of the Muslim Caliphate, um, which is bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre, it's... That's, uh, that's out Lyndon larouche Lyndon LaRouche right there. I was like, uh, ever heard of 1066? Uh, yeah. Obvious, uh, 1215, uh, 1688... <laughs> The uh, long may she reign in the British Empire. Um, no, it's it, some of the stuff that's out there is just becoming so risible. It's uh, oh, one other footnote, by the way, regarding uh, the '68 election, and this is fascinating. George Wallace's uh, running mate happened to be Curtis LeMay of uh, oh. Ohio. Mandrake. Yes. <laughs> And I mention that, of course, because tonight, tonight at the Michigan Theater, Stanley Kubrick's uh, amazing, uh, so many masterpieces from this director, but the, there's really no other word you can use to describe the intense genius of Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Showing tonight at the Michigan Theater, uh, it's a movie you can actually see on the small screen, but it's uh, impressive stuff, and uh, Sterling Hayden is definitely modeled on Curtis LeMay. Indeed. Who, uh, Advocated all sorts of nuclear wars while a chairman of the uh, Air Force is a part of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, so crazy was he that uh, he wanted basically Kennedy to start a nuclear war over the Cuban Missile Crisis. Fortunately, Kennedy declined to take his advice. Well, there uh, is a protest. Uh, well, we're out of time. We're close to out of time. Uh, there is, I believe today, on the uh, Diag at the campus of U of M, a sort of anniversary of the Afghani war uh, protest commemoration uh, gathering going on. And in the Sunday edition of the Detroit Free Press, there's some very interesting information about Michigan connections. Mm -hmm. uh, 42 servicemen with ties to Michigan have died in Afghanistan alone. There's an interesting chart of uh, causes of death and uh, hostile versus non-hostile Iraq, Afghanistan, each with their own column. <clears throat> and a lot of these are, you know, simple accidents that would happen when any sort of uh, technology or machinery is used, things like drowning and electrocution and lacerations and so forth. Uh, these are all, you know, sort of like industrial accidents when you're working with that kind of equipment. Uh, more troubling is the large number of deaths with unknown causes. And for the Iraq War, we have non-hostile, unknown cause of death, 321. Afghanistan War, non-hostile, unknown cause of death, 145. I'd be willing to bet cash money that the large percentage of these 
would be suicides. Mm -hmm. And the mental health of our veterans is something that uh, certainly the War Department does not take seriously. The costs that we've laid out already on the table, 